I really like your intro music, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, I so I don't know, like, anything about podcast. Like, mm-hmm. I've listened to a few, but I was like, I don't know how to, like, actually do anything on a podcast. So Same. I went, I went <laughs> <laughs> So I went and listened to a bunch of your podcasts, and I was like, man, this intro music, it's jamming. Mm-hmm. It's a good choice. I know, yeah. <laughs> it took me a long time to pick it. Oh, yeah? Because, um, I mean, at first I tried to get one of my friends to, like, make one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was also like just so ready to like get, get going, start, yeah. get started and get going. And he was like, "Okay, I'll like get to it." And he just never got to never it. got to it. And then yeah, and then like I found some really good ones. I was like, "Oh, I want this." And I was like, "Wait, that's copyright. Like, <laughs> that's illegal." So I had to Can't specifically look at like copyright free or whatever right. music that Royalty I can free use. Music, Royalty the free. Best. Mm-hmm. And then I found one, and I was like really good at. I was going to use it. I was mm-hmm. like, really liked it. Mm-hmm. And it specifically said not for podcast use. I was like, what? You can use Why it for is... anything else, but not podcast. Not podcast use. So then I That's finally so found the one that I did. And I, I'm glad I liked that one. Yeah. Super it's... upbeat and fun. It's cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like it sets the mood. <laughs> yeah. Especially for all the things that we talk about. <laughs> it's like, it's music that can be like happy, but also like ominous and yeah sad. Like, so it can go like, either way no yeah. matter what the podcast like thought-provoking about. almost mm-hmm. yeah Got that's it. good yeah good choice thank good you <laughs> thanks <laughs> hopefully people listen to the rest of the podcast yeah they just listen to like just the, the intro like i only want to listen to the intro music and that's all <laughs> that's my jam that's that's <laughs> just like wait for it to like come out and you're like finally like <laughs> finally another one yes just for the intro music mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> that's um, so good Unspoken Secret episode 18. Cool. 18. Uh, we can drink and just get that. Not in America. Not in America. <laughs> no. <laughs> so today I'm with Josie. Hi. Right? Yes. Um, hello. <laughs> hello. Hello. Welcome, welcome to the doctor's office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Unspoken Secret. Thanks. Um, how would you like to introduce yourself? Oh. Uh, well, my name's Josie. I live in Provo. I go to UVU. I'm studying American Sign Language right now, which is really fun. Mm-hmm. I've thought about doing an episode in sign language, but then I was like, wait, that That's, won't work. That doesn't make <laughs> sense. Because like, <laughs> I love sign language. Yeah. I'm learning a little bit. But. Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, I'm technically a senior this next year, but oh, I wow. also, like, switched majors, so I'm not oh, so going to finish. So I'm, like, a junior part two. So, mm-hmm. but, Yeah. I don't know. That's really it about me. I don't know. I'm just living my life and working my yeah. jobs and trying not to die in between school and yeah, everything else. That's what we're all trying to do. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I invited you because I had heard a little bit about your story, I guess. Or mm-hmm. no, I had like asked like, hey, I'm looking for someone who has a good yeah. story. And you reached out to me and said, you have some interesting things you want to talk about. I do, yeah. I, so, like, saw your, like, call for help, like, your call that was, like, I'm looking for interesting stories. I was, like, I don't think I'm interesting, but, like, I can talk about myself for a really <laughs> long time. And everyone loves doing that, Exactly. Right? So, mm-hmm. but, yeah, so where do you want me to start? Um, I mean, just, like, give me some background or context to what okay. you'll be talking about. Okay. Well, there's, they all kind of, like, tie in together, and a okay. lot of them are affected by the other. Mm-hmm. So, like... Very common. Yeah. It's not just, like, here are these, like, sets of my life, or, like... They're all intertwined. They're all, yeah. 
And mm-hmm. I've, I've jokingly called them my bullet point list that, like, make up who I am. But, like, they're not <laughs> like that. Like your you know recipe? I mean? Yeah, I'm like, here's everything that makes up Josie. Um, but the, it's not like that. So the biggest thing that I'm dealing with right now is probably my depression, hmm. um, which is hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's really hard to be a 21-year-old living in Provo who is depressed because all these people are going out and are like, let's hang out and let's have fun. And, like, that's not the way that my brain handles situations very well. Yeah. I'm always like, I can't, I can't do that. Like, I'm really sorry, but I can't do that. But I didn't actually know, like, I didn't get diagnosed with depression until I was, like, a year ago. Like, it really? was, yeah, so it was pretty recent. But, wow. like, I had, like, clearly looking back I'm like oh yeah I call them my episodes of depression mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. looking back I can pinpoint like specific times in my life where I'm like that was an episode but like yeah I sure. I like super wasn't into complaining about myself and like what I was feeling mm-hmm. because it it seemed so self-absorbed and I felt like a yeah. lot of other people had bigger problems than I did yeah exactly and I for sure have always kind of adopted the the therapy friend in a lot of my friend groups where people are like, I'll talk to Josie about my problems because she gives good advice. But then it was like, so I would hear all of these people's problems and all of their issues. And I was like, how can I complain when I feel like I'm not like as bad as like, as yeah, as, they as have it so much yeah, worse. Yeah, for sure. And it's just like, it's so hard to get in that mindset because Mm -hmm. then you're not looking for anybody to help you. Like you're just stuck doing what you're doing. And so it's like super, it's super hard that way. It's weird asking for help too. Cause these people have like these issues that they're going through. Like, Hey, well, can I tell you about something that happened to me too? Uh That's totally not in comparison. It's hard to ask. Yeah. It's hard to be like, Hey, will you like listen to my problems for a minute instead of like just me listening to your problems, you know? But so I didn't get diagnosed with depression and I also have anxiety as well. Um, my depression is a lot worse than my anxiety, but they kind of just hold hands and frolic mm-hmm. around in my brain like best <laughs> friends. So, but I didn't get diagnosed. And the reason that I that I was actively starting to seek help was because I started realizing I was over at my parents' house, I think, for like a dinner. And I lived okay. in Provo at the time. Okay. And my parents were like, do you want to take food home? to eat like and I was like yeah I'll take like a loaf of bread you know what I mean that way I don't have to buy a loaf of bread and they were like well how about like this can of food or like take these apples and these clementines and I was like no like I'm not gonna take that because I, I won't eat them and my parents already knew that I wasn't eating breakfast because breakfast sometimes made me nauseous so I just mm-hmm. don't eat it very often yeah. and my mom was like well what do you like eat during the day like do you like are you eating two meals a day and I was like no like (laughs) no I'm not and I was like sometimes so I I started talking about like my eating schedule and like if I had work I either ate lunch or I ate dinner at work but I didn't eat both and like if I didn't have work it was just like snacking but it was like never healthy and all of a sudden I was like oh I'm not eating like I'm not (laughs) eating at all like yeah I and so that was kind of, like, the moment for me. Like, my parents kind of, like, looked at me, and they were like, are you okay? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I just realized something's wrong. Some, yeah, I was like, 
no normal person should only be eating one meal a day. Yeah. With like, so it was. So I drove home that night and I was like, I think I might actually genuinely have a problem. So yeah. I like called my mom back and I was like, Hey, so can I go to like therapy and like get on medication yeah. and like. So that was kind of like the beginning steps of like dealing with my depression. So like mm-hmm. now I'm like on antidepressants and um, it's still really hard. Like antidepressants don't cure anything. <sighs> no. I mean, they certainly help. Like the days that like I miss, I feel it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've heard that antidepressants are like running shoes mm-hmm. where they don't make you run faster. Yeah. But if you don't have them. Like, then you run hard. slower. Then you run slower. Yeah. So like, so and they're you more still comfortable. Have to practice and yeah. like run. Mm-hmm. You're not suddenly gonna be able to run a marathon just because you bought running shoes. Right. You still so, have to like figure things out. It's a lot of work, and it's yeah. still not enjoyable running. Like, there's no, so many. Running things. is the worst. So the way that like the person that gave me my medication, like when we talked about my options of like mm-hmm. medication, she was like, "Well, there are two choices. The the one is like the more expensive and the more like." like narrowed down choice where you like get on a medication that is like specifically for whatever is wrong in your brain basically okay so that one's more expensive and and if you don't take that like you go worse a lot faster but the one that i'm on she explained it like she was like imagine you're in a room and you want a drink of water so like the important one is like drinking a glass of water the, the general one that a lot of people are on, it's like filling up the entire room with water until it reaches your mouth. And then you get a drink of water that way. So it's basically like flooding your brain with the medication until it reaches those like specific points. So that way it's like more of a general thing, which I thought was pretty cool. But if you don't take medication for a day, then the water goes down and you're not drinking any water anyway. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. So it's like pros and cons, but... Like, being on medication, like, certainly has helped a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's something that, like, the more that I talk about with people, the more they're like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm on medication, too. Or, Mm -hmm. like, or they're like, oh, my gosh, like, I felt that way. Maybe I should, like, go and get help. And I'm like, yeah, maybe you should. Therapy is great. Drugs, great. (laughs) You know? So it's... Illicit ones, not so much. But (laughs) drugs, great. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So it's just been, like... That kind of, like, development in my life has been really helpful, but, like, Mm. also exhausting. Yeah. Because it's so frustrating and hard to, like, have to ask for help over and over and over again. Because I'm not good at that at all. I'm so bad at it. Which is a great segue into my next topic. Oh, okay. When, so, the other, so depression and anxiety has been a part of my life probably since I was, like, 14. But I didn't get diagnosed until I was 20 because I have a really hard time asking for help. And the reason that I have a really hard time asking for for help is because I started being sexually abused when I, I think I was nine. Okay. Um, And it went on until I was 13. So four years, roughly. Yeah. Sorry, I keep hitting the music stand. I'll come (laughs) this way. So four years of my life. And during that time, I was, I had a lot of impressions, a lot of, like, moments with the spirit that was like, here's a, here's a perfect opportunity to bring up what's happening to you. Mm. And every time I chickened out. Scary. Yeah. Especially when you're nine years old and, like, that, like, it was so, because I was afraid, first off, that I was going to get in trouble 
Because, like, I was a kid, and I didn't know what was going on. And, like, so, like, so four years of that was really hard, obviously. On top of that, I also was, like, getting bullied at the same time. So I was having a great, I was having a great, like. Great childhood. Yeah, it was, it was killer. It was so fun. Everything was going grand. Yeah, I was Mm -hmm. really, I was thriving. (laughs) But, so, like, but honestly, I didn't, after it ended, it stopped going on. And I, I had a few years to, like... Process? Yeah. Maybe. But I think it actually... I think I actually went the other direction. And I actually suppressed the crap out of it. Oh. And to the point where I didn't actually realize that I had been sexually abused until I was 16. And, wow. like, I didn't even, like, make the connection. Until I think I was in a seminary class. And my seminary teacher started talking about um, like domestic abuse and that kind of thing, uh-huh. and like I, it's not like I'd never heard of sexual abuse before, you know. Yeah. It wasn't like some like magical new thing, but you always kind of, it's if it's talked about in like a health class or like a psychology class, you're sitting there, you're like, oh man, like life really sucks for those people, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you feel pity, but you don't. I didn't make the connection until I was 16 and I was in seminary class, and all of a sudden I was like. Oh, oh no. That happened to me. Like, oh. oh my gosh. So that that spiraled into a lot of things because I didn't know what to do because I was yeah. 16. It had been years since it had happened. And I didn't really want to tell my parents still because I because yeah. I had spent all of my childhood taking care of myself, right? Yeah. Mentally, I was all alone all the time because I didn't have my parents I didn't have friends that I could talk to about it like my siblings had no idea what was going on and so I took care of myself for so long so that like asking for help wasn't even an option like I was like it didn't even cross my mind honestly yeah and like I had a situation where my mom was like why don't you ever tell me about like boys and like all of these fun things that you like are doing or like having experiences and I'm like she's like you have a wall all around you all the time like she's like I just want to get over the wall a little bit but like to me I was like no like I've built this wall because I have to take care of myself like yeah. it's my responsibility and my job to make sure that I'm safe so I'm gonna do that and like hmm. trusting other people to come over the wall was really scary yeah. so <laughs> And once Still they get is. over, you're like, go, go back, go yeah. back, get you're back like, over. Um, so I, I, I changed my mind. You can actually leave the wall immediately, or I'll just block you in to the, like, the side of the wall so you yeah. can't see anything else. You can else. stay in the corner. <laughs> yeah. So, so then everything came out, and it came out in a way that was super not awesome. I didn't really mm. have a lot of control over the whole situation, mm. which was super hard. I told someone in an argument what had happened like I, I and I said it kind of flippantly too like I didn't really think about what I was saying but I had just come to the realization that I'd been sexually abused for four years of my life and and it was like kind of always at the forefront of my mind that like yeah. maybe I needed some help or like maybe I needed to tell somebody but I didn't know how and like I had grown a l- up a lot since then and maybe I didn't need to talk about it but I got in this huge argument with this guy and I said something because I just did you know yeah. I just kind of like threw it into a casual conversation and like two months later he actually sent an anonymous email to the vice principal I think saying hey 
I think Josie is getting abused at home. Like, I don't know the details, but, like, I figured I should tell someone. Mm. So, and I, like, remember that day super well. It's interesting because, like, I don't remember a lot of the sexual abuse because my brain is like, "Mm, I don't think you can handle that, actually. (laughs) So we're going to keep that locked up. Yeah. But I remember the day very well when I when it like everything came out. I got called out of like PE and I was in a really good mood. It was like an awesome day. I had plans with my sister and her friends after school and like so I got called to the principal's office, which was a first for me. I'd never been called to the principal's <laughs> office in yeah. my whole life. So I was like, I don't know what's going on. So I get to the vice principal's office and she sits me down and she hands me a printout of the email and I read it and I was like I was like, what the heck? Like, what is this? And so, and then she sat down and was like, I need to know if you're being sexually abused or any kind of abused at home. Like, if you're facing mm-hmm. abusive home situation. And there was, like, this huge part of me, the part that had spent so many years building up the wall, that was like, yeah. why? That was like, I'm not going to be honest with her. Like, first off, I've never spoken to her in my life. And when adults deal with minors who are in crisis they almost come become really patronizing and like they're like tell me about your issue like the stereotypical way that you think like a therapist would talk to you that's what all adults like kind of turn into because to them it's like you're dealing with a kid and so you have to have like that really patient demeanor and like all of that stuff and so I'm sitting there and she used like that voice on me and I was like like first off no like I'm not gonna tell you like I'm not gonna be honest kind of thing yeah but I just had like this overwhelming also like and like this overwhelming feeling of like this is the only this may be the only chance you get to be honest and like have something happen because you were honest and so like that part was way smaller than the rest of me but it was definitely enough that I just like broke into tears and I was like yeah like this actually happened and I sat in her office and cried for, like, the entire period, like, the entire, most of my school day. And she, like, gave me chocolate bars and water and all of this stuff. And I was, like, I'm tired of crying already (laughs) and, like, ugh. But. Just all came at once. It all came at once because when you hold something back for that long, your brain, as soon as it gets recognized, it's like, oh, well, here are all of the horrible things you've been feeling for this whole time. And it's like, oh, great. That's thank wonderful. You. Yeah. So, thank you for overcompensating. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for just shoving it all in at once. I really appreciate it. But, you know, after that, I was able to, to tell my parents. And we, the police did get involved and child services got involved and all of this stuff happened, mm-hmm. and, which was really hard. Because on top of the fact that I was now, like, a sexual abuse victim, and, like, that kind of became more public knowledge, like, public knowledge. Like, my my parents started telling our extended family, people in our ward started figuring out, and all of a sudden, all of the years that I had spent trying to keep myself safe felt really redundant. Because now, the wall was gone without my permission. And you were totally exposed. Yeah. And it, like, honestly, I didn't feel like I didn't feel like I wanted to go to church because the pity and, like, the horrible stuff that you can face at church, I was like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to have to tell anybody 
anything. Like, that's, I didn't even get to, like, be honest about it in the first place. It wasn't a point in my life where I was like, yeah, I can talk about this. I did it on accident. And then... When you weren't really ready. Yeah. And then it spiraled out of control. But at the same... So I I was really upset for a really long time. And, like, on top of that, like, my family situation was really strained. And everyone had different opinions about everything. And it was just kind of like this really hard time. And that's when, like, I was de- I was dealing with depression before. But, like, that mm-hmm. was when it, like, set really in. Hit. Yeah. And then, like, the school year was almost over, I think... And so I had, like, all summer I started going to therapy and all of this stuff. But, like, you can have depression and still act like a normal person. And so, like, I I was dealing with it so hardcore, but, like, I didn't even realize because I I felt, like, like just empty inside Mm -hmm. for a really long time. And, like, now I didn't – I didn't – really even have permission from myself to even think about it because I wasn't prepared. I wasn't ready to have this huge secret become part of like my identity, I guess. And now it was without my permission. And so when that happens, your brain kind of, my brain like short circuited and was like, uh, I don't actually know how to deal with anything. Yeah. And when you like, that's all, you know, Mm -hmm. that's all you've experienced it's really hard to recognize, like, yeah. where the problem is and how to fix it. Yeah. So. And even, like, even at that point in my life, too, I started going to therapy, which mm-hmm. I highly recommend to anybody because therapy is great, and I love it. Even and people who don't, like, have anything need, traumatic. Yeah. I feel like everyone can benefit from oh therapy. Oh, my gosh. You go everyone. to therapy. Yeah. You pay someone to sit there for an hour, and you can talk about whatever you want. And guaranteed, anything. that person will find problems in your life. And you'll be like, oh, now I can become a better person. You yeah. know what I mean? They make you feel so good. Yeah. Because they validate all of your feelings. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, other people feel like that. And it's like, oh, my gosh. I had I'm no idea. Alone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's very helpful and beneficial it is. to anyone. Mm-hmm. Which is why I was, I'm always a huge advocate for that. When like anyone, yeah. my, any one of my friends was like, I just need your advice. I'm like, my advice is to go to therapy and talk to someone who can actually help you. <laughs> yeah. But so like, but even then, like I was going to therapy and it was helping. And I, I started recognizing a lot of things um, in my behavior that I was like, oh, like maybe that was detrimental, you mm. know? But I was also 16 and dealing with family issues that have ne- that had never come up before. I was dealing with heaped on pity from every side that I looked at. Yeah. I was having relatives that I wasn't close to reaching out being like, if you need to come stay with me, you can. And I was like, you don't know anything about me. Like, yeah, I don't know anything about you. Yeah, like, like we are not close. I don't want to come live with you now. Yeah. Like, And so, yeah. like, so I, I still was in that, that mind frame of... Of I need the only person that's going to protect me is still me, mm. and so I wasn't honest with about my feelings for a lot of things, which I regret now a lot because I was honest about what had happened. Yeah. It's easy to be honest about what happens, but it's not easy to be honest about how you feel about it. So I mm. I didn't really I I went to therapy and like I was doing it for I think six months and. I really enjoyed my therapist. She was very helpful and it was really it was really good. But I think I got to the point where I knew what she wanted to hear instead of what I needed to say. And so I was able to 
I wasn't lying, but I was able to just make it sound pretty, like the way that I was feeling. Yeah, yeah. And so I think our last session, this is not like, I don't hold anything against her at all, but she kind of was like, if I was a doctor, I would give you a clean bill of health, which made me feel later, which I recognized later, that that made me feel like I wasn't allowed to be upset anymore. Hmm. So I was kind of like, but aren't I, aren't I allowed to like be sad or angry or any of these things? But I didn't feel like I was because a professional had been like, yeah, basically you're healed, you, right? You did it. You did it. You nailed it. And now you get to move on with your life. But like any, like any person who's like lived through trauma, you don't really move on from that. Like no. you just, you grow with it and it makes you a different person for sure. But so that was kind of hard at 16 to hear you're healed from something that was really detrimental. Like, it's, I, I started feeling like I wasn't allowed to have, like, emotions about it anymore. Mm. And so I, it became more of a thing. It just became like a talking point. I could talk about it whenever I wanted. And it was easier and easier to talk about. But it was really, like... It was isolated from the way that I felt, if that makes sense. And yeah. so it became like a whole thing by itself. And then the way I felt still existed, but it wasn't getting acknowledged at all, which is another huge reason why my depression started getting worse because I wasn't listening to myself. I was talking and talking about things that had happened, but like never actually listening about to myself about how I felt about them happening and like what I wanted from life now that it, it was over and like now that I could be allowed to move on. So I was kind of like in this weird space emotionally where I was like, well, I'm really sad, but also I don't feel like I'm allowed to be sad anymore. And so I'm going to just stay kind of, it wasn't like just like staying, it was like just staying flat almost. Like, I wasn't allowed to express emotion, and so I didn't express anything. And, like, it's so hard to be in that position yeah. when you have so many feelings and you're just, you're not, you're not letting yourself feel them. And so I just, it just drained me all the time. I just was, became honestly like a shell of a person until, like, I honestly snapped and my, and I was like, I'm not eating anything. I barely get out of bed on, like, even on good days. I'm lucky that I passed my classes last semester because it was so bad. But, like, and that was kind of when I was realizing, I was like, oh, maybe I actually have a lot of feelings that I probably <laughs> I haven't, haven't talked about. <laughs> yeah, you know, it doesn't ever really occur to you because it's just not something that we think is always a priority. Yeah. Which is a dumb thing to say because it should be a priority. You should always want to take care of yourself. And, like, you know, there's always, like, that me time that we hear about. But I think I think wanting to take care of yourself and being vocal about taking care of yourself is almost like a, like a shunned. It's getting a lot more, like, unstigmatized about mm -hmm. it, which is really awesome. And more and more people are going to therapy and, you know, starting yeah. to realize that maybe mental health is important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, like, maybe we should actually discuss what's going on in our brains. And, yeah. But something that I really struggled with especially the last few years, is just this idea of um, the whole, like, forget yourself and go to work. 
or yeah. let's serve our brothers and you'll feel the love of Christ. Look outward, yeah. not inward. Yeah, and it's it's really yeah. emphasized uh, even with ministering, with ministering coming around. It's like, well, let's just be friends and like let's focus on our brothers and sisters that are struggling. And it's always aimed toward the people who have the capability to help mm-hmm. and like that are like that's the commandment. But I feel like sometimes we get so wrapped up in this idea of we need to help others that we don't realize that we're the person that needs the the help help until it's way too late. And then you're like an emotional disaster. (laughs) And it's like, oh, actually, we probably should, you know, maybe I'm the one that needs some assistance. Someone please come to me. To me. Bring me cookies. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so, so that was a really difficult thing for me, feeling like I wasn't allowed to, to want help. Because because yeah. I felt like, oh, well, maybe if I just serve people, if I just... Yeah, if I stop thinking about myself yeah. and my own problems, it'll be easier. I'll be able mm-hmm. to feel happier because I'm yeah. helping other people. Because you always hear that in church, right? People yeah. are like, I feel so much better when I'm serving, like, the Lord's children. Yeah, and all I'm my like, problems go away. Yeah. And... I always want to raise my hand and be like, you're the Lord's children, too. When's the last time <laughs> you helped yourself? Like, yeah, serve yourself. Yeah. Like, that also feels real, real good. <laughs> really good because you are included in that group of children that the Lord loves so much. And by neglecting yourself, it's like neglecting anyone else. Yeah. It's yeah. like you're you're avoiding and like you have to live with yourself forever. Yeah, you're nobody stuck. else does. So you <laughs> going out and helping well, I mean like there's a you know, but like you're in your head forever. You and your thoughts and your emotions are are yours forever. And if you're so focused on other people, it never gets, like, acknowledged almost. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, um, you really, like, you really have to be your own best friend. Because if you're not, nobody else is ever going to be able to take care of you. Like, yeah. which is not true. The Lord does, which I have learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that he's very helpful, which is really nice. But, like, it's also this thing that you really, like you are allowed to care about how you feel and that's okay it's okay to be like well how do i feel about that and if you don't feel good about it then don't do whatever you were doing before or ask for help or be honest about the way that you're feeling because that allows you mm-hmm. to acknowledge how you feel and then and then you don't feel crazy for having emotions yeah. because you're like oh yeah those are real i have real feelings and they're really powerful and there's a reason i have them and maybe acknowledging them will help it so that I can find a way to get better, whatever that means. So it's like a huge thing for me. I must, I'm, I've become more and more of an advocate of like mental health. I'm like, please take care of yourself. Yeah. Like, I know Jesus says serve everyone, but you're also included in that. So please like make sure that you're also <laughs> serving you yeah. on top of everybody else. Like That's so important. It really is. So it's, it's crazy, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have any questions about any of that? That was a long tirade. Oh, no, You're welcome. It was great. It was great. <laughs> Good. I was going to ask. Yeah. So you've talked about therapy a lot, mm-hmm. but like what other things have been really helpful to you in dealing with something like that? Well, having good people around you a lot is really helpful. I started recognizing that I needed friends who were as willing to listen as they were to speak and with that that like kind of changed the way that I that I developed friendship because I was so used to being the 
the ears that listen that I didn't realize that like my friendships weren't like really anything past that it was a lot of us talking about their issues and a lot of me pretending I knew advice to give them because but at the same time it was like but like that's it that's like the one dimensional side of our friendship it's nothing beyond that so I think like um having good people and being honest with people about how you feel was something that took me a long time to like reach the point of but like Mm -hmm. by by being honest like like I said earlier like there are so many people now that I'm like oh well I went through something like that or I or maybe I should look into getting help about something like that or any of those things and so like being honest and like recognizing in myself the fact that like this did happen and like it wasn't my fault and it had nothing to do with me but I am the one that has to like move on from it and not only like move on from it but also like grow and like be able to help people because of it has been really helpful to me because it's just like it's it's validating everything that I've been through it's saying yeah this happened and it was really hard and and I hated it and it's Mm -hmm. still really hard and there are things that will never leave about this whole situation that I don't like and I don't appreciate and I have issues with still but by saying you know this happened and yeah it was really hard but I'm also a really good person after that Mm -hmm. it's like it's it you you get to like see the the growth almost I get to look back and see who I was at 16 when all of this came out I remember how angry and how sad and how frustrated I was at everybody no matter like what they were involved in if they if they knew anything about my sexual abuse or anything else I was just angry all the time and like now in this situation my family has gotten so much closer there is a lot more open communication between me and my parents I've been able to say well I don't like that so let's (laughs) actually talk about this for a second and it's also like so that open communication is so important because you're just being honest you're being honest about how you Mm -hmm. feel and like so that was like a really good thing for me to like figure out but Yeah, I think honesty is so crucial. Mm -hmm. It can solve, to me, honesty can solve, like, any problem. Yeah. I mean, initially it might make things worse, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be so painful and so scary. Mm -hmm. But in the long run, I think the more honest we are, the more moral we are as a people, the better we become. Like, Mm -hmm. it just fixes everything. It really does. And it's really helpful because I saw, like, there's always that thing that's, like, brutal honesty. But I, I don't think you always have to be brutal in your honesty. I think no. there's there's ways to be honest in with while keeping in mind that you have to be kind to yourself and to your your brothers and sisters and to the people that you come in contact with. And, and being honest, but coming, like, coming to those people who have issues. Like, I still get, I'm still the therapy friend, but I'm able to say, okay, but, like, also... Like, this can't just be the friendship kind of thing. Yeah. But I'm able now to, to be honest with them but come from a place of empathy because I've learned that, like, taking care of yourself 
is really important, but also shutting everybody out so that only you are taking is, is taking care of yourself is really not helpful. Mm-hmm. And so when people are honest about how they feel, if you come to that, to their expression of honesty from a place of empathy and a place of understanding and saying, okay, well, that was really stupid of you, but <laughs> like you can be like, you're able kind. to, yeah, you can be, well, but you're going to be okay. Or mm-hmm. this is how we together can get through this yeah. instead of being like, well, you were honest and you did something really stupid and now you're alone. You can, you can be like, well, I support you in that. So I think honesty is like, it is so crucial to just be kind, but honest. You know what I mean? Like yeah. to just about everything. Like you said, I really do think it, it solves a lot of problems. It solves so many problems. And it's really, it really helpful. Does. Yeah. It's so great to just be honest about like it how you feel. It feels so good. Yeah. I mean, initially, again, it might be so hard and mm-hmm. scary, but it does feel good. Yeah. It feels so good. And then you don't have to worry. You're not stressed yeah. about anything. You don't really care what other people think because now mm-hmm. you know you've been fully honest with them and you know how they feel. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how people still love you. Yeah. Even it's when like they know crazy. everything about you. Yeah. yeah. One of the biggest things, too, is the the more that you're honest about the big stuff, the easier it is to, like, become honest about the little stuff. So, like, like it's a it's a huge difference from someone being like, well, why do you have intimate, intimacy issues or, like, all of this stuff? And then being like, well, do you want to hang out when you don't want to hang out? But if you're already honest and in that place of, like, they know who you are, or you're just comfortable in being like, I don't want to do that, then mm-hmm. saying no to simple things, which usually, like, I feel like people are like, I can't say no to that. Like, they invited me out. Or just being like, I don't want to do that today. And people understand because they're like, yeah, it kind of sucks. I wish that I wasn't doing it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. But, like, the big stuff, by being honest to other people and with yourself with the big stuff, it makes it easier to just become honest in everything where you're just like, yeah, I don't want to do this today. Or... I need a day off, so I'm going to stay home. Yeah. But, like, it's it's just recognizing just, like, the benefit of it, I think, is, like, super helpful. So yeah. that's been a huge, a huge game changer in my life is, is allowing myself to be honest, not only with other people, but, like, also with myself has been super great. So. Mm-hmm. Um, how has your experience been with forgiveness? Ooh, that's a big question. Yeah, I know why I ask this. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. Let's see. So, I just... The, the... I feel like a lot of it... I, I feel like forgiveness is, looking, is looked at in a very selfless way, if that makes sense. Okay. You're... When when we talk about forgiveness, it's so the other person, we do it, we, we, we want them to, when we don't forgive somebody, we want it to hurt them. We, like, by holding yeah. a grudge, I want you to feel that I don't like you, that I hold this, whatever it may be, against you. Yeah. And I want you to feel like that anger that I have towards you because I don't want to forgive you. I want to hate you and I want to hold this against you forever. But so it's it's when we decide to forgive that in that mind frame we are saying okay, you can feel better now, right? Yeah. But like 9 times out of 10 that person does not care or they don't know that you hold something against them. 
they have no idea that you're angry or upset or mm. that you like that 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 that's a barrier or an issue because you can be steaming and like brooding all you want and so mad at them but the the pro the like the reality is a lot of times first off some people don't even remember the things that they do or yeah and so they they to them they're like oh that was an issue like goes completely over their head every time but so I feel like a lot of times when I talk to people about forgiveness they're like well I need to forgive them and I'm like the thing that I've learned and this is like me personally is that you don't ever have to forgive somebody for their sake it's always for your sake like always I forgive people because I don't want to feel that way I don't want to feel angry at someone I don't I don't want to give them that much power over how I feel because that takes away my power. I give that to someone else and I don't want to do that. I want to have that power to myself. And so like with sexual abuse, that is hard. Yeah. (laughs) That is real hard. And I didn't really learn that until a lot, maybe not a lot later, but when I started repairing the relationships of my family and people were really honest and like I'm amazed that you're doing so well and that like you're <laughs> like that you're okay like yeah. but I knew how I felt about when I was angry and I knew that that feeling if I let it live inside me for a really long time would kill me honestly that like that bitterness and that angriness is exhausting to like keep inside of you for that long and so I I have issues still and there are people that I'm like oh, you're kind of annoying and like <laughs> that's not great or but I started to come at it from the point of view of I'm not doing this for anybody else I'm doing it for me I'm yeah. forgiving other people so that I can go to bed at night and not feel angry all the time or upset or sad because of what one person did to me because by letting that like by keeping those feelings it's like shutting off all of the good feelings that you're allowed to feel by being alive yeah but it's not it's really not easy it's so hard and it's not something that like comes overnight at all and I remember pretty soon after everything came out I've got called into a meeting with my bishop and I knew what I was going to be about because everybody now knew about everything in my whole life but I remember sitting down and him saying to me I need you to know that everything that's happened is not your fault and I was like well duh like (laughs) of course it's not yeah like I was like it really didn't even cross my mind that that wasn't an option have been my fault yeah Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, like, great. Now I'm going to think about the opposite, which (laughs) may, what? Like, but he's he's like, I want you to know that it's not your fault. And I want you to know that Heavenly Father forgives him. And that's what he said, is he forgives him, who my, yeah. So it just was like, and I kind of, that struck with, that stuck with me because I was like, but why? Like, why does he forgive him when I haven't? And... And, like, that kind of thought kind of just was, like, what? Like, that's a strange 
why would you bring that up to me right now? Like, the Heavenly Father forgives him. Like, I don't want him to forgive him. I want him to be angry, and I want him to be upset, and I want him to, like, hold this against him for the rest of his life because I'm going to have to deal with this for the rest of my life. But by turning it so that I was looking at it from, from a perspective of healing for me and not anybody else, and looking at it from the fact that, like, yes, this happened, and yes, he made terrible choices, and it shouldn't have happened, and it was wrong that it happened, but Heavenly Father doesn't love him any less, and he doesn't love me any less. And that's where I feel like a lot of people get hung up on the forgiveness factor because they're like, well, they were wrong, and they're bad people, and they deserve to be punished, and they're... You know, like, you have that anger and that bitterness because what they did to you wasn't fair. And now you have to deal with the aftermath. But when you think about it from Heavenly Father's point of view, he knows what that person did. Like, he's mm-hmm. aware. But he loves him anyway. He loves everybody that makes mistakes anyway because you make mistakes too. If you hold things against people, people hold things against you as well that you don't know about, you know? Like, there's a really good chance that someone's like, well, I freaking hate that person because, because they did of this, they and, did this. And, and now in my life, I'm like, but I don't remember doing that. I don't even know. You man. know? But by having that anger or, or not having that anger and allowing yourself to say, Heavenly Father loves him, so... And this isn't saying that you have to forgive right away. And this also is not saying, I'm also not saying that you have to put someone, you have to keep someone in your life that treated you wrong at all, ever. That's not, that's not fair to anybody to, to like be expected to keep someone in their life for that long after any detrimental action against them. That's not fair. And it's a person by person thing for sure. But like by looking at and saying, I forgive this person and now I can move on with my life understanding that what they did was wrong but that doesn't make them any less in heavenly father's eyes and so even though i may not have to keep them in my life and i don't have to interact with them anymore i don't have to hold like hold them hold anything against them i don't have to say well they ruined my life because while that may be true you also are still alive and you have the ability to grow and to become a better person and so for me, it was it was an it was just this idea of it's time to look at it from Heavenly Father's point of view instead of my own because that is the only way that you can actually move on from anything because otherwise we'll get stuck forever and in how and then what and then what, <laughs> and then what do you do? Just yeah. gonna be angry at every person that crosses your path because you just. You'll the, end up being angry at everyone. Yeah. The what? The world is out to get you? Like, they're, yeah. <laughs> they're really not, you know? like We're just trying our best. Mm-hmm. And some people make terrible, terrible mistakes. Yeah. But if you look for reasons to be angry, you're going to be angry mm-hmm. at anybody. So, yeah. But it's such a wow. it's such a hard... That's a hard thing to learn. And it takes a long time. And I'm still learning. I'm still like, yeah. well, you're annoying. I'm like, I'm going to be I mad at you. I can talk about it all I want, but oh, in yeah. practice, I <laughs> hate everyone. I, in practice, this is not helpful, but <laughs> I'm trying. My, yeah, this is what I'm aiming toward. That doesn't mean I'm actually doing it, but yeah. but I am. I'm trying. You know what I mean? And I'm trying to 
to come at it from a, a way of saying, but they're not any less. Because it's like that scripture that's like every soul and that like is of worth in the sight of God or whatever that scripture mm-hmm. is. You know what I mean? But that's like, it doesn't exclude a person that did you wrong. And we're so self-centered as human beings because we're the only life that we get to live that we're like, well, um, they're going to hell because they made, they did this, but mm-hmm. they're not, you know what I mean? Like Heavenly Father still loves people that do things wrong because everybody does things wrong mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, it's so interesting that we are so like self-centered and self-absorbed, mm-hmm. yet we also fail to take care of ourselves yeah. and like actually like meet our own needs like yeah it's just this interesting dynamic of always thinking about ourselves but never thinking about ourselves yeah thinking about ourselves in like the wrong way or like mm-hmm. this is what i want but it's not what you need yeah, so exactly um okay so i want to shift gears a little bit great i love shifting um so <laughs> in previous episodes i talked about my own personal sexuality mm-hmm. and being gay mm-hmm. um and I think he even mentioned that, like, I've tried understanding, like, other sexualities, like bisexuality mm-hmm. and things like that. And I just, it's, it is different. Yeah. So I know you've mentioned yes. that you identify as bisexual, mm-hmm. correct? Correct. Um, so I'm just curious, like, what is that like? <sighs> well, it's funny sometimes <laughs> because, especially because I have a lot of straight friends, and now that I'm out, we're allowed to make, like, gay jokes a lot more. Like, they do it, and they, they love <laughs> it's it. It's true, It's yeah. so funny. Gay jokes are so funny. They are. They're really funny, especially when, like, when, like... There's when, a gay when, yeah, in the and, joke. And, and they're like, I'm going to be involved in this. Like, I remember, like, an, a, a time I was at IHOP with my sister after recently coming out. And so it was kind of still sitting in her mind, in our, mm-hmm. on our friend's mind, and we were at IHOP, and our waitress came up to us and... She was taking an order, and my sister offhandedly was like, oh, she's so cute. And I was like, mm, yeah, she really is. Mm, yeah. And, like, <laughs> and like their faces of just like, <gasps> because suddenly, like, offhanded comments said are, what? are so much funnier. Because yeah. they're like, oh, my gosh, you're attracted to women. You know what I mean? So Like, that is what I said. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of aspect of it is something that, like, almost delights me now. Where it's like, oh, mm. thank heavens. Like, I can make fun of this. And, like, I recognize the things in myself that are funny about this situation or just any general situation with like people who know but it was another thing that like so in high school I was dealing with like the whole sexual abuse and so that came out and so that was a really big thing and so my brain decided that it would just shut away the way that I felt about girls until it was ready to handle it oh yeah and it was like let's take this one step at a time because we have a lot of things to work through so I was like okay so when I, I came out as bisexual when I was, I think, when I was 18, 18 or 19. Okay. So pretty early in, like, my college career. And I, it was, it wasn't hard necessarily because I was bisexual and because I was attracted to girls. It's hard because of the other, the way that other people handle that situation and, like, dealing with like even like general conversations where they're like well how do you feel about you know like 
I'm sure, like, I'm sure you know, because yeah. like, people mm-hmm. bring it up at weird times, and they and have... like, oh, okay, we're like, talking ah, about this. Yeah, okay. like, oh my gosh, okay, um, so... Walls coming down. <laughs> like, I didn't realize that we were getting into this right now, but... Because people are curious. It's mm-hmm. about, like, straight people who don't know, who haven't really thought about it, they they don't know, they don't understand. And they, they have a... They're really curious about the way that we choose to live our lives and the way that we want to live our lives and, and how that conflicts with either the church or our family or mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But so for me, I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't even really realize that I was bisexual until I was in college. Until older. Mm-hmm. Just cause my brain was like, we can't, we can't, we can only handle one thing at a one time. One thing at a time. And we already have one life changing thing out there. And like, I don't want to deal with another one right now. <laughs> right now. And I was like, okay. So when I came out, I, I actually came out almost as soon as I realized because I was like, wow, really? yeah, yeah. So I was sitting, and it wasn't like a huge public thing. I wasn't really into that. I don't really yeah. have a harder time being like, oh, I am bisexual. I am now because it's been like a year and a half, and I'm like, that's oh, fine. Let's whatever. Let's talk about Let's it. Let's talk about it. But I I remember I was sitting at my sister's work, and it was Valentine's Day, and we had just like ordered a pizza because she had to be at her work, and there was nobody there. And I was sitting down, and we were watching, I think, like Parks and Rec or something stupid. And I was reflecting on a comment I think I'd made earlier that day because I was I it was the first time that's like in my whole school year that I had had a class in a science in the science building, and there was this girl that always went into the science building kind of around the same time I was there, and I just really liked her. She mm-hmm. had like beautiful brown curly hair, and she wrote like she had the craziest clothes. She was like that person that like wrote on her jeans like whatever mm. she wanted. So like super yeah. hipster and aesthetic and all of this stuff. And like, mm. But the thing that like really, she was just so cute and like little. But the thing that always stuck out was she rose a razor. She rode a razor scooter to school, oh, really? and so she would always like hold it around with her. And I was like, I don't know why, but I freaking love that. I like, like that. Yeah, like I was like, that's so great. And I remember my sister and I pulled into school, and she was, like, scootering to school. Oh, yeah. And I just, as, like, an offhanded thing, I was like, I have a crush on that girl to my sister. And she was like, oh, yeah, that's funny. And then that night, I was thinking about it, and I was like, wait a minute. No, I I do. I was like, I genuinely think that I have a crush on this person. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, like, no. What do what? And it was like, I was sitting there thinking, and I was like, I don't know what to do. I was like, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel so weird about this one girl? And, like, why all of these things? And I was, my mind was going, like, a mile a minute. And it was, like, a big neon sign flashed across my mind. It was, like, bisexual. (laughs) And I was like, what is that? (laughs) What does this mean? What is that? So I I looked at, I knew what it was, obviously. Because Mm -hmm. I feel like you grow up and you talk about the LGBTQ community and all of whatever that entails. And and it's almost like a joke when you're younger and you're like, oh, they're gay. Like, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. stupid thing. But so I knew what it was, but I was like, how does that actually work? And like, how does that make sense? And yeah. and I was worried about being honest about that because I was like, oh, I'm a member of the church. And like, that's not, you know, it's not wrong because there are a lot of members of the church that are gay. And sorry. <laughs> um but like for me personally, it was like, how do I, how do I align this fact with yeah. the fact that I'm a member of the church? And so that was hard for me. But I, as soon as I like had the word in my mind, I actually texted one of my really close friends who was not LDS, and I, oh, we're not supposed to say that. members of the church, whatever, um, <laughs> members, whatever. You're fine. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, wait, I'm trying to be better. But I texted her and I was like, 
so I don't oh. know how to feel about this, but I need to tell somebody because I don't want like I don't want anyone to think less of me or like. And so I told her she was like, "Dude, you're the same person. Like, you're this doesn't you change have, anything. Yeah, like she's like, you're nothing is wrong with you or nothing is bad about this. Like, you're fine. You're just a little bit attracted to girls, and that's fine, you know. So, so having that reassurance pretty early on was like really nice especially coming from someone that I loved and like was actually close to and from there it was kind of like a person by person experience but I was living in Cedar City at the time and so a lot of my friends that I was close to lived here in Provo and so it was it was I wasn't able to like have this big thing that I was like hello everyone I'm not straight like (laughs) but I was able to I, I made it like I I chose the people that I was telling and I was able to kind of come out to people slowly over like the course of like three weeks that I was like, I want to tell this person today and I want to tell this person today and telling people like at school that I cared about or like my sister and all of this stuff. But yeah, so it's been like now it's been like over a year Mm -hmm. since I came out and I love it. Like not like the whole the whole being bisexual can can present some difficulty and obviously but like by saying that I'm a, like I'm allowing myself to feel this way and like recognizing that that is a thing in myself and like giving that weight in my personality it's another one of my bullet list you mm-hmm. know um but by saying yes this is just who I am instead of being like I'm bisexual and that's something that I'm not allowed to talk about but being like no I'm bi do you have an issue like let's talk (laughs) about it so it's been really really like healing because it you get to recognize that part of yourself that like sometimes is not allowed to be recognized almost where people are like "Mm, we should keep that on the down low you know and sometimes when you feel that that internal homophobia that I feel like a lot of gay kids deal with because that's the way that we're raised and the way that we're taught to think and and then and then all of a sudden turning that around and suddenly you're the center of that and you have to realize that you are still a person and that you're worthy of love whatever that means and and you get to make your own decisions and it doesn't make you less than and but so it was it was a really good journey, I think, especially at that time, because I was becoming more familiar with myself and my emotions and kind of recognizing good things and bad things. And so to, to be able to say, this is how I feel about this was really helpful in that mm-hmm. way. But I think it was it was still really hard. And like every time I came out to somebody, you still get those like those nerves that mm-hmm. you're like, oh, my gosh, like every I freaking time. hate this every time. Every time. <laughs> it never goes away. It and you have you have to come out for the rest of your life, honestly. Because you're going to keep meeting new people. Uh-huh. And they're not going to know all the time. They're not going to know. Because you don't introduce yourself that yeah, way. Yeah. You don't go, hi, I'm Josie. I'm bisexual. It's <laughs> nice to meet you. What do you... What do you... What are you attracted and, to? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's like this whole lifelong process that you always, always have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And so that's always rough. Because it's like, yeah. oh, I just wish that I could just live my life and be yeah. normal and be fine. But I think always the biggest one for me, the funniest thing about coming out was that a lot of the times I got two reactions. Um, was either I will fight anyone 
who <laughs> comes at you because you're yeah. bi. Or I had, like, five people that were like, yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. You're like, like, I had, my friend was on a mission and I wrote him this whole email. I was like, I feel like, I was like, um, like, I didn't want to do it, but I sent him this email and he sent me this, like, tiny paragraph back was like, you just figured this out? I was like, like, I already I was, knew. I was like, yeah. And, and so I emailed him back and I was like, why didn't you tell me? And he was like, <laughs> why didn't you discover my sexuality <laughs> for me? <laughs> and he was like, I thought you figured it out. And I was like, well, it took me a freaking long time, but now I did. But That's so funny. like, those were like the two main like responses. responses that I got, which was really nice because that kind of is an indication that you have really good friends. Yeah. And people who love you who are like, okay, like, well, that's fine. Let's Whatever you want, you know? But, like, I think the scariest thing always is coming out to your parents. Always. Mm-hmm. And I probably made myself sick over coming out to my parents, like, once a day until I did it. And it was, like, a month and a half until I came out to them. And I tell, I say, like, I explain this timeline and other people are like, it took me, like, five years to come out. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, listen, I really just had to get it. I had to get it I done. I had to do it. I, I was like, I've it. been, like, secret, I've been holding secrets my entire life. I really didn't need another big secret to, like, yeah. weigh me down when I could just be myself. And, like, as soon as I figured it out, I was like, oh, okay, well, here we go. Like, let's yeah, talk about it is. forever. But, and I think that's something that is so hard is that, there's always the chance when you come out to your family that they, like, the people that are supposed to love you unconditionally might not. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's the scariest thing. Because it's like you've grown up with these people your whole life. You've heard their opinions and they've helped you when you're sick or whatever. You mm-hmm. know, they're, they're part of your life. But there's a chance that they're not going to love you anymore. And, like, how terrifying, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how it's awful. That's an awful feeling. And that's, I feel like a lot of straight people don't understand that. They're like, why don't you just come out? Why why isn't it easier for you? And that was was another response that I got a lot was people often ask, have you told your parents? And I was like, no. no. I was like, uh-uh. No. No, I could barely tell you. Like, what? One thing at a time. And a lot of my friends knew, know my parents. My parents are amazing people. They're super accepting and super loving and selfless and great and all of that stuff, right? And um, so a lot of my friends were like, your parents aren't going to react badly. Like, it's going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And I was like, you don't actually know that. You can't say that. You can't say that. It probably will be fine. Yeah. But you can't say that it will. Yeah. And, like, as a person that is not straight, you, there's always that. You have to prepare for the fact that you could be rejected. Could be rejected. Could be kicked out of your house. Mm -hmm. Could lose your family because of the people that you are attracted to. And that's not something that straight people ever have to deal with ever like and so it's so hard because it's like well like they're they're like oh well they're gonna be really understanding and I'm like yeah but what if they're not because we can we can go around all day and say yeah I'm gonna be fine and I knew that I had people I could turn to and like all of that stuff but there's still that idea that there is a chance that it's not gonna be fine and you're gonna have Mm -hmm. to you're gonna have to figure out how to live by yourself without your family who've supported you for a long time 
And so that was really difficult. But obviously I I came out to my parents and it was fine. And they were fine and they were really accepting. They were kind of – my mom is a therapist, so she was a little bit more of like, let's look at it from a therapist point Mm. of view. Kind of was like, "Mm, let's talk about this. But I could tell my dad had a harder time with it, but – which I think a lot of dads do. I don't know why. I don't know what it is about dads being like, this is unacceptable. (laughs) But my dad had a really hard time with it. But I think that he just loved me so much that he, even though it doesn't make him comfortable, he's still like, well, that's still my kid. You know what I mean? Like he was like, well, I'm going to just accept that that is how my daughter is and that's okay. And so it's been interesting. Um, I have a couple questions. So I have been uh, like more and more exposed to Mm -hmm. bisexual people. Okay. Um, So I've had a couple conversations with a few of them and mentioned, um, or they've mentioned that there's like some misconceptions about bisexuality. Okay. Um, One in particular said that um, he's had people tell him like, oh, so are you like 50% attracted to men and 50% attracted to women? And he's like, no, actually, I feel like I'm 5% attracted to women and 95% attracted to men. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really? Yeah. Um, so is that, like, true? Is it usually, like, this huge difference? I don't know. It's really kind of a person-by-person thing, I think. I'm sure, and yeah. Because it's not like I I don't consider – I'm not 90% attracted to women and 5% attracted to men. That's not how I am. Mm-hmm. But I'm also not – like, the, my biggest thing is that the way that people think about bisexuality where they're like, you're attracted to women too? Like, all of a sudden, like, it's like women are – are like at risk now (laughs) and I'm like okay but I'm not attracted to all men either like yeah I'm not like I don't look at every man and be like "Mm, yes let's I do you Mm -hmm. you know what I I mean mean, I do but (laughs) exactly but I like I don't do that and and it comes like you know but person by person attraction is so complex and yeah and it's so personal because Mm -hmm. like I like I I probably wouldn't say it's, like, 50-50 for me, but people do often are like, well, how much are you attracted to women? I'm like, what does that mean? (laughs) Like, how do you want me to rate my attraction to women? I can watch the new Wonder Woman movie, and I appreciate Chris Pine, and I appreciate Gal Gadot, and I know that I'm bisexual. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. I like this movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I have so many options in here. But it's like... I feel like that is such a, not, maybe it's not, it's just a different, like, idea. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because I know bi people who are, are 90% attracted to the opposite gender and only 5% attracted to their same gender. So, like, even though the chances of them ending up in an opposite gender relationship is, like, really high, mm-hmm. they're still, it still doesn't negate the fact that they're bisexual. Yeah, yeah, that kind of goes into, like, my other, like, common or yeah. question that, like, People think, oh, if you're bisexual and, like, living in the church, like, oh, then that's easy for you. You just pretend to be straight. Yeah. But, like, no, there's still, like, an aspect of you that's not being met. You're not getting those needs mm-hmm. met. Mm-hmm. And so what is that like? It's annoying. <laughs> it's really hard. And I think that was one of the first things my sister said to me. And I did, at the time, I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky that I'm not just a lesbian, you know? Yeah. And she was like, you're lucky on the sexuality scale. You have a choice now to be with a man and get married in the temple and all of this stuff. And I was like, I was like, man, man, Heavenly Father's really taking care of me, you know? Yeah. Like, 
But now it's I'm just it's annoying. It's kind of frustrating because <laughs> the problem is that as soon as I get into a same uh, either a same sex relationship or an opposite sex relationship, um, the idea is that now I'm that sexuality, right? And that's what mm-hmm. a lot of bi people have to deal with. As soon as I start dating a girl, I'm a lesbian or I'm gay. Mm-hmm. As soon as I start dating a man, I'm straight. But I'm like, I'm really not. Like, actually, I'm still bi. <laughs> like, that's... <laughs> I still have both. Yeah, like... And so it's hard because that's... I think that's the biggest... The, the biggest issue I have is that, like, I, I don't... I don't want to have to say, if I choose a woman or a man, that I'm solely that sexuality now. Like... It's like, yes, if I do marry a man, like, we'll be in a heterosexual relationship. And, mm-hmm. you know, we can have kids and we'll get married in the temple and all of this stuff. But just because he's a man doesn't make me less of a bisexual. I still have that attraction to women. I still have those feelings that I have to deal with mm-hmm. all the time. Still have those desires mm-hmm. and that just need and that want. Yeah, all the time. And it's, it's not just going to go away because you have a man. Yeah. yeah. And and that's a huge thing to, especially like as a 21-year-old who's supposed to be finding my spouse. And <laughs> that's such a huge thing. Is Yeah, like, why aren't you married yet? Yeah, I don't know. 21. Listen, I'm trying my best. <laughs> I'm not actually. I'm not trying very hard. Um, but like... I, for, for me, it's so hard because I, because I can find people attractive, but I think there's a really big difference on finding someone attractive and being sexually attracted to somebody. Mm. And, and for me, that is a person by person thing. So when I meet somebody who, like, if I meet a guy and I'm like, I really like this guy, you have feelings attached, you have desire attached, you have lust attached to that person. Mm-hmm. And that's like. Yes, you can still find other guys attractive, obviously, but it has more of a, a an emotional impact, almost, mm-hmm. right? Because you, they carry so much weight for you. And, like, the more that you develop that relationship, yes, you can think other guys are attractive, but you are committed to try this with this person, if that makes sense. You want, you want that relationship with that person. For me, when... You know, I I can sit here all day and be like, yes, women are beautiful. And they are, obviously. They're very beautiful people. And God created Mm -hmm. them to be beautiful and to be wonderful, you know, creatures. And they're awesome. Mm -hmm. And I love it. And it's great. But for me, I don't look at every woman and go, I could be in a relationship with her. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But I also don't do that with every man either. Yeah. It's like a person-by-person thing. So for me, it's, it's hard because I have met women that I love dearly, that I would, in a heartbeat, date, mm-hmm. like, every time. But, like, either by external factors or whatever, it, you know, doesn't end up working out. But it's hard because I, I don't want to negate the way that I feel towards women just because I end up with a man or vice versa. Because it's You're going to make a sacrifice either way. Yeah, right? I, all and of a sudden... Like, I have to... It's almost worse yeah. than just having one sexuality. Yeah. Or, like, attracting you, to one cause, sex. Because you really have to choose, which is unfair. Because <laughs> you have so many options when you're <laughs> bi. It's so great. But, 
so like for me when I came out and I I wanted a lot I I had obviously I had a time in my life where I got really rebellious and I was like I want to be as gay as possible (laughs) and so I'm gonna do whatever I want and be as gay as I want and flirt with all the girls that I want and all of this stuff and that came a few months after I came out and you know like because mm-hmm. you just suddenly are part of this new community and this new way of life, and you're allowed to be like, oh, let's let's look into this. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But since then, I like, for me personally, I really do want to get married in the temple, and I want those covenants made, and I know that about myself, and I, and because of that desire to get married in the temple, I've been able to say. Like, yes, there are people and there are women that I could be incredibly, incredibly happy with that I'm not going to be with because yeah. I want to get married in the temple and because I want to 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 make those covenants with the, with my husband and, and all of that stuff. And so for me, yes, it is a sacrifice. And I have had to stop talking to people who I could potentially honestly fall in love with that are women because... For me, as frustrating as it is, I, I try really hard to keep that end goal in mind, which is really annoying at the time. Because I'm like, oh, we could just date and fall in love and get <laughs> married and it would be great. Wouldn't that be awesome? But mm-hmm. but I really want, I believe for myself that the temple is where I, I need to get married. And that's where I'm supposed to end up. And so I've pushed, I haven't pushed myself to just be attracted to men but I just also am not actively looking at either side right now because I'm like I don't really care a lot <laughs> about getting married right now but I also have a, a relationship with my heavenly father that I'm trying to, to deal with and cultivate mm-hmm. and make stronger and so by allowing that to be the priority instead of which gender am I going to choose to fall in love with um it's kind of gotten easier because I know the promises that I could have. I know what I could have by, by getting married in the temple. And, mm. But I'm still also, it's hard because, like, there's that aspect that I'm like, yes, I want to get married in the temple. I'm going to get there. But then at the same time, I see the prejudice that a lot of gay people, a lot of queer people face, and I get really pissed off. <laughs> and I'm like, that is unfair. And it makes me want to just like shove dirt in all straight people's faces and be like you don't understand like we have really hard sometimes and it's really frustrating and difficult and awful and it's not fair that a lot of us have to do this kind of stuff but like that we have to fight for the right to get married or be recognized as human beings just because we're attracted to someone who's not the opposite gender yeah and so like there's the pride part of me and then there's like the church side of me. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, well, we should probably make those, like, see eye to eye eventually. But right now yeah. it's 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 hard. It's, it's really confusing and awful sometimes. But I'm trying my best. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, all we can do. Exactly. Try our best. Exactly. It can be a nightmare. It really can. It's, it's hard that we have to deal with it mm-hmm. in this lifetime. I really have a lot of questions for Heavenly Father when I get mm-hmm. back up there. And I'm going to be like, excuse me. <laughs> okay, can we sit down for a second? I got some questions. I have some a lot of questions for you. I have all mm-hmm. the questions for you to answer. Okay. Please explain I'm everything. I'm going to need you to be 
very detailed and yes. explicit in how I, you respond. I need a, 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 a like a freaking report to print out of mm-hmm. what you were thinking. I need a thesis statement. <laughs> and a solid conclusion. <laughs> like, I need okay. citations. Yeah, because it's mm-hmm. just like, it's hard that we have to deal with it. And it's mm-hmm. not fair because it's like, well, that's rude. Why can't I just live like a normal, happy <laughs> life and not have to worry about so many things? Uh-huh. But I think he knows us better and he knows that we can deal with it, you know, mm-hmm. which is fine, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm reconciling myself to it slowly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for, for having me. Yeah, talking and being willing to talk. Mm-hmm. It's really enlightening good so i appreciate it do you have any other questions for me this um, time before we play the intro music and say goodbye <laughs> um, <laughs> i guess it would be outro music then <laughs> yeah the exit uh, i don't i think you answered like all of my questions yes and Solid. we're very thorough in your responses and like it was perfect because I think about it a lot. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, I was like, did you like script this or something and like no. memorize it? Because you just, you were so comfortable. So here, no, I was so, I was, I was so terrified of doing this. I was like, what oh, if yeah. I say something really stupid <laughs> and like people listen to this and like that's, so I like sat in my car because, and I like was driving home from work and I was like, okay, what possibly could I say about this? So I did think about it because, that's good. you that's know, good. I'm glad. I wanted it to be a good podcast i didn't want to i didn't want to be the episode that you were like i should not have invited her <laughs> like, like oh well, man I, gotta find someone else. I am not going to post that on facebook ever again but so yeah i just wanted to be honest you know yeah which is thank you good. of course that's what this whole podcast is about unspoken yeah. secrets being honest i think it's pretty good secrets i think it's a good one it's yeah, a good like it. good podcast thank you <laughs> a secret is a story untold and i just told it to you